Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am O'Brien McMahon, and this is People Business. Every business is in some way a people business. From Silicon Valley to the restaurant down the street, every business relies on groups of people working together toward a common cause. That's no easy task. While the world around us has evolved into a high-tech, interdependent matrix, our individual software is largely the same as it was 10,000 years ago. We are social, emotional animals balancing a need to fit in with a desire to stand out. This is a show that explores individual and interpersonal dynamics, helping you become your best self while making the most of your business and the people in it. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Enjoy the show. In this episode, I'm joined by James Madison, founder and CEO of On Purpose Life, a company that helps professionals become more effective and inspiring leaders. James' superpowers are connecting, encouraging, and maximizing professional and personal development. James' greatest accomplishments in 30 years of leadership have been coaching and preparing leaders for successful career opportunities and personal fulfillment. James is an Army veteran who served in Germany and participated in Operation Desert Storm, Additionally, he grew up as an army brat residing in numerous locations, including Belgium, Paris, Germany, New York, and Arizona. After serving in the military, he spent 25 years in supply chain leadership, operations management, and customer development roles for Fortune 500 companies. Most recently, he was the managing director at a leading executive search firm before being led into executive and leadership coaching full-time. And we talk about his professional career and how that eventually led him to becoming a coach In this episode, we talk a lot about purpose. We talk about really how to demystify purpose and how to find it for ourselves. I think purpose can be one of those topics that seems either a little too woo-woo or out there or just a little too much pressure behind the topic. I know people can feel like they have to find their one true calling. And we talk a lot about that and and how that's not necessarily the case. Uh, The thing that landed for me the most was how the power of living life on purpose really helps you live within a purpose. And I really like that. And we get into that more and and what that means. James also talks about how to overcome some of the common obstacles that keep people from leading happier lives. And we kind of dive deep into relationships with money, feeling the pressure to continue on with the status quo or, or to achieve something before making a big jump. There's a lot of good stuff in here for people thinking about how to live happier, more productive, more meaningful lives. I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is James Madison. And we are live with James Madison. James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, O'Brien. I appreciate it. I've had a couple coaches of various types come on the show. I find what you do to be endlessly fascinating. And I, I know from having talked to several folks who call themselves coaches that there's a wide spectrum of what coaching really is and the impact it can have and why somebody might use it. So I guess just to kick things off, what do you do? How do you describe (laughs) what you do? Right, right. If, even to, if I step back, even from what I do, it's like who I am, because because what I do comes from who I am. And so my three word why, O'Brien, is ignite intentional growth. So that's what I'm all about. And anything I do, doesn't matter what I do, whether it's personal, professional, it's igniting intentional growth. And so as a coach, 
you know, what I do is really facilitate this thought-provoking creative process to identify, you know, areas of potential growth people for people personally and professionally, which aligns to who I am. So it's like never working for me because I just like to sit beside people and help see them grow. The premise is that everybody's perfectly capable, creative, resourceful, and whole. They aren't just aware of it on the surface. It's in the subconscious. And so the thing that a coach does is really ask great, curious questions to bring thought-provoking ideas to the surface. And, and again, start the process of growth through awareness. And so the clients that you work with, why do they typically come to you? What are they trying to grow through or grow on? Yeah, most of the clients that I've talked to are stuck in an area of their career, don't understand why they can't get to the next level or why they're not showing up with the right level of performance that they feel they deserve. That's one one way. The other thing are, are leaders in transition. And what I find is when, when someone's worked 25 years like I did in a company, you just learn to do what you do. You get good at it and you don't really think about does it really serve you? Is it something that's really super satisfying? You just need to pay the bills. And so you work this job and you get good. Then when you have a transition break, like I had after 21 years working in a company, you get the opportunity, which I call the gift of time. When you get to really sit in your solitude and figure out like, who am I? What was I created to do? And how do I move in that thing instead of just what I've done in the past? It's a unique opportunity. So I really help people what I call pivot on purpose. Everybody's talking about pivoting nowadays. But there's this opportunity to pivot on purpose into the thing you were created to do and have more fulfillment, joy, and satisfaction in the next part of your career than maybe you did in the first part of your career. Those are some of the major reasons. I'm debating whether to just jump into that meaty law, that softball you just laid up there, because I have a bunch of questions based on what you said. And I guess, you know, why not? It's my podcast. I can can go wherever I want. So let's just go right there. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about how you help somebody figure out where they want to go. You hear people say, follow your passion. You hear more people who've come out and said, no, that's terrible advice. I think about, and I've I've mentioned on here before, there's a great video of Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs talking about how following your passion is some of the worst advice you could take. His quote, I I wrote it down in preparation for this because I had a feeling this was going to come up, was bring your passion with you, but never follow it. And so I guess I would just be curious, everybody out there is like trying to find their place in the world, trying to find their place in business. How do you guide somebody to figuring out what it is that they should be doing? You're absolutely right. Passion is only one part of it. It really comes down to the word purpose. What is your purpose? So what I help people do is discover their purpose so they can be set free to be who they were created. Because your purpose is why you exist. And it's, you know, Mark Twain has this quote that I like that says, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. It's your purpose. And the premise is when you understand your purpose and you walk in that, all the blessings, all the resources that you need, you will attract to be able to do that purpose because only you were designed to do that thing. So when I used to be an executive recruiting and, and I would talk to people that were dissatisfied in their job or career or in search, Instead of going on to the next job, I'd say, what's your purpose? And they would say to me, what are you talking about? I was like, what, what is your purpose? And they said, well, tell me what that means. And it really comes down to three things that I help people discover. One is the passion that you mentioned. It's only one. That's the thing that energizes you. The question I always ask is, if you did not have to work for money, 
If you could just get up every day and do what you love to have a contribution to the world, what would it be? That's an indication of what you're passionate about. The second is your gifting. What are you good at? What are your superpowers? What are the things that you uniquely bring to any relationship team or group that are uniquely you that are your strengths? And the third is experience using those two together. So when you triangulate off those three, your passion, your gifting, and your experience, that's a good indication of purpose. And then what happens is opportunity confirms it. So when an opportunity shows up in your life and you step through that opportunity in that purpose and you experience peace and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment, it feels natural. You're in the state of flow. It's a good indication that's your purpose. And then every time you step through another one of those, it confirms it. And then you start running through those because you know what your purpose is. And it becomes this huge pivot that you can make every decision in your life based on, or think of it as a filter. When opportunities come our way that are good opportunities, they may not be great for our purpose, but when we know it, we can choose it. And if we don't know our purpose, what happens is we can tend to misuse or abuse things that we don't understand. What do you mean by that? If we don't understand the purpose for something, what it was created, we can misuse or abuse it. And and the thing for us as people is if we don't understand our unique purpose, we can tend to let others misuse or abuse us. That looks like stress. It looks like anxiety. It looks like worry, doubt, fear, because we aren't operating the way we were created based on our purpose. A real simple example is um, there's a lady who sent an iPad to her, her father to be able to communicate with the kids, right? You know, do some FaceTime kind of thing. And she never explained to him the purpose of it. And so when he got it, grandpa opened this iPad up and had an apple on the back. He thought this is a really cool chopping board, right? So he chopped his vegetables and his fruits and everything on it, threw it in the dishwasher. He killed the iPad. It's kind of a simple example, but the point is he didn't understand the purpose and he misused it. It was a great chopping board. I mean, an iPad would be a really cool glass chopping board, sleek, If she'd explained, dad, this thing's going to come from Amazon. Here's how you use it. Here's what you do. He could have been having conversations. He could have been using it for what it was intended. And it's seen so much joy than the one-time use $1,000 chopping board. That's a simple example. But for us, when we are lined up in our purpose, what I find and have found is that the opportunities, they actually chase after me and things come up in my life that I could never have sought out. And they're exactly what I needed to fulfill that purpose because you attract them when you walk in your purpose. So how does one go about figuring out what their purpose is? Is it really just like where the angels are singing in your life? Like, I think that's sort of the impression that people get is like, oh, I don't, I've never had that experience. Like I've never like had that religious moment where the clouds parted and the sun shone down and the angels sang and Like, I just knew that this was what I should do with my life. Like most of us don't have that experience. I know I have not. So how do you help somebody actually get to what their purpose might be? Yeah. Good news is it's not about the sky opening. It's not that kind of thing. It's really more this tangible thing that comes down to those three things. So I, in a coaching, I'll sit down with someone and say, what are the things that energize you that you do? Like, what are the things that you just love to do that you get up every day you would do if you didn't have to work? I like to help people. I like to teach. I like to, you know, go out and and help enable people to do things they can't, they haven't done before. Like you'll hear things like this, but really excite people. And so that becomes passion. And so everybody's got a passion. There's something that they really enjoy doing. So it's really, it's kind of an awareness waking up to what is that passion. So we go through an exercise. Then the second thing I'll say, what are you actually good at? What have people told you in your life 
you're really good at that thing. That's your superpower. That's your unique contribution to any group or team that you bring. You know it yourself and others have told you, right? It's your strength. So it's becoming aware that, okay, I'm really passionate about this. Good at this. Now, what do you have experience in? Because you need to have used those things. And if you say, yeah, I did that back in high school. I used to help after school, you know, with this particular group of tutoring you know, the, the freshman students. And that was a way of helping because I like to teach. And then when I was in college, I used to participate in a nonprofit that helped, you know, people find homes and find jobs. And then when I was, and, and usually it's a pattern throughout someone's life. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, and so when then you, when people become aware that they say, oh, wow. I can see that purpose in my whole life. I just didn't call it that. I've just been doing it because it was, I was, that's who I am. I just didn't call it a purpose. And so now that I'm aware of it, if I can actually intentionally do things on purpose, I call it in purpose, on purpose. If I can do that, I'm going to experience more of that joy and satisfaction and peace, like in all those parts of my life. So it's as simple as breaking it down. And what's cool is, as you become aware of it, the opportunities just show up in your life. You actually attract the opportunities. So you don't chase after them. You attract them. And then because you know that's your, that's your purpose, you just step through it. And it's easy. It's peaceful. I call it all flow and no hustle. There's this whole idea that we have to hustle and grind and, and fight and sweat. But when you figure out what your purpose is and you just kind of continue to walk in it, the opportunities, the people come into your life and allow you to do it because that's what you were uniquely created to do. So I think if I was going to say that back to you, maybe in a different way or using a different term than, than purpose, it would be the things that bring you energy. Like, how do you fill your life with as much energy and good feeling and satisfaction and meaning as you can? And it's finding those things that bring those positive emotions and, and fill you with energy, keep you going, even when you're working on something hard that would fall under this category of purpose. Exactly. And I would say, I would say to add to that, when you're walking or living on purpose, that is what you experience, energy. You can tell you're not in your purpose if you're drained or you're demotivated or you're not excited. But when you're in your purpose, you feel energized, you feel fulfilled, it feels light, it feels easy. It's absolutely a sign of what it takes. And you want to try to stay in that zone as much as possible, kind of in the zone, you know? That's not to say though that you never get tired because it can be you could be doing very hard work yes and tiring yourself out. I mean it could be it can be very hard and very challenging and stressful in a lot of ways and also energizing in certain ways and meaningful in certain ways. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's a good point. You, you can be depleted of your energy, like depleted because you've exhausted it. But there's also this other life-sucking drain that we're trying to avoid. It's the one that sucks the life out of you. That's the one when you're not in purpose. But yeah, when you're in purpose, you can be depleted and done. And it's a real quick fill back up because you feel the value of what you've done. Yeah. It's your physical energy. You can drain your physical energy, but it's like your, your mental energy or your psychic energy that stays fairly high, even when you're getting tired. That's a good, I think that's a really good explanation of it. Yeah. It's like, you still are feeding that side and it's being energized, but physically you're tired because it's just, it may be physically, you know, draining. Yeah. Here's another question. Should you be working in your purpose all the time? I mean, I think there's, and let me, let me just phrase that or, or give you some context on that too. Cause I think there are a lot of people out there talking about purpose and it can almost feel like the like a 
a fad and the things that people feel like they should be doing. And it can almost can almost become like a shame based thing for some people where they feel like they're not in their purpose all the time or at all. And therefore something's wrong with them. Their life isn't meaningful. You know, people are telling them like, oh, it's possible to find your purpose. And they're like, well, then, you know, what does my life mean if I'm not absolutely working at my highest purpose all the time? How would you respond to that? Yeah, I think I think it's it's probably impossible to be in your purpose 100% of the time. But the more time you spend, this is not perfection, but progress. The more time you're spending aligned with your purpose, the easier, more peaceful, less stressful the experience. So the question back to someone is, how much more peace do you want? How much more satisfaction and fulfillment? And as much as you align to your purpose, you'll experience more. A lot of times, and I, this was me as well, when I was in a corporate job, I was always waiting for the weekends, the nights, the holidays, can't wait till retirement so I could really start to enjoy life. I was holding my breath to get to those moments. This is the idea the more you're living in purpose in the moment, you can enjoy that moment and you're not always waiting for that thing to come. That's really the difference. Yeah. So like a, like if you're waiting for something, maybe you have some work to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the other thing you were talking about, not necessarily being in it all the time. I'll see some. The other thing is that when I talk to people, people will say to me, yeah, but at work, my job is this and it's that way. I can't control it. So how can I do that? But remember, we're talking when I coach, I coach the whole person, not the work person separate from the home person. It's the whole person who shows up at work. So sometimes it's about looking at what part of my life do I have the influence over? And if I lean into my purpose more in every area I can, again, I just have more fulfillment. I may not be able to control all of my life, but if if I know that these are my superpowers, this is the thing that excites me. And maybe I can't show up at all the time at work, but now in my personal life, I can make choices to volunteer and be part of organizations or things so that in total, I experience what I like to call more work-life harmony. Everybody talks about work-life balance, which to me is yes and no. I'm saying yes to this and no to that for now. Then I'll say no to this and yes, and that's kind of a balance. But this work-life harmony is yes and yes, because I'm the same person. It's just how I choose to go and spend my time and energy. And it's, it's a more integrated kind of approach. Well, and that's a good point. And that was something I thought of earlier was like, does it have to be work? Because I think we talk a lot too about like, oh, purpose. I don't know. It just feels, I don't know that anybody says it explicitly, but there's sort of this implied understanding that purpose is tied to your work. And that's kind of, that's kind of it, but it doesn't have to be, as you just said, and it's definitely not the whole picture anyway, regardless, even if you are passionate about work and are purposeful about your work. Absolutely. It comes back to the whole person. We're the whole person. And when we can live authentically everywhere we are, we just feel more satisfied and fulfilled. And again, work is what we do, not who we are. And it's about choices. Even I've coached people who at work were miserable. And then once they discovered what their purpose and their gifts were, they looked at their jobs differently. They looked at the people that they were able to impact and, and people they were able to coach and to use their gifts in a different way all of a sudden the job didn't feel so bad because now they could see why they were there and what needed to happen. And it's, it's funny when they let go of some of that stress and anxiety, other things they wanted started to flow to them. They started to experience some things because of the shift in why am I here? Yeah. Well, I like what you said before about being in purpose on purpose. And that's really, I mean, if just 
purpose as a single word is intimidating. Thinking about just living on purpose is a much easier entryway, I think, into what what you're talking about. Because it at least, even if you're not connected to the highest possible purpose that you could have as a human being on this planet for the time that you're here, at least you have at least you have direction. At least you're doing something that you have chosen. And that comes with a certain sense of meaning, right? It it comes that you are you're empowered. It gives meaning to what you're doing, no matter what it is. So I think, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and sort of wrestling with some of my own biases and stuff and and the other the things that I've been struggling with. And I think that that, that just clicked in for me. Say like purpose is great, but at the very least, live on purpose. Live on purpose intentionally. And it's funny because that's the name of my company, On Purpose Life. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> and so I have to, that's a great segue. And so, you know, my my who I work with, I work with senior executives that are managing major change, right? With people, process, and things like that, and are looking to continue to deliver results year after year. A lot of times it starts with them understanding how to live on purpose, right? Just to be able to understand when you have major corporate change, there's emotions involved and there's people and there's business and there's things. And it starts with the person who's leading that change (laughs) and you can't effectively lead change management unless you understand what's going on in yourself. And that's that on purpose piece to your point. What are the biggest struggles or hurdles that you see your clients having to overcome when they go from just living day to day to living on purpose? There's this idea. Some people have this idea that it's a luxury. We, they bought into this idea that you, you know, that's only in the movies. That's only when you retire is when you can really start to enjoy life. We're not afforded the opportunity to enjoy life. We have to do what we have to do to pay the bills, to raise our family, to put the kids through college. And we just have learned, you know, maybe from our parents just to sacrifice everything. That's probably the biggest thing. And then I always say to people, so how's that working out for you? (laughs) And usually I'm talking to them because they're dissatisfied with where they are. And there's this idea that instead of chasing after the things, if I just do things on purpose, to your point, on purpose, it's easier. The resources flow to me. The law of attraction says these things will come to me. I won't chase after them. And therefore, everything I do will be a little easier and have more fulfillment. Then I enjoy it more, no matter what it is, even if it's that same job. Yeah. And again, I may be just beating this point to death, but I like it and it's resonating with me in that you're not chasing purpose. I think that's where people get into trouble, right? Is like that they're out there and they feel like that if they go do something, then their purpose will come to them. Then they they will have achieved their purpose rather than, again, going back to just living on purpose and letting, letting it come to them. It's that it's I, I, Jim Rohn has one of my favorite quotes and he says, our levels of success rarely exceed our levels of personal development because success is something we attract by who we become. And I love that because that's about intentionally becoming so that the success will be attracted to us instead of many times we chase the success and it absolutely sucks the life out of us. We pay the price. We sacrifice you know, time with our families, present time and things we're doing. We hope that when we get to that success, we can start to enjoy life. So this is like a way to take an advance on that and bring it to today and live a piece of it every day by just living more on purpose. Back to what like hurdles or struggles that people might have as they start to do this work. I could see one of them being setting boundaries. Because if you're going to live on purpose, that means that there are some things that are not aligned 
with how you want to now live your life that you're going to have to cut out or deflect as they come in. So how do you help or how do you coach your clients to setting better boundaries and saying no to things that they should say no to? Yeah, this is something that I am personally working on myself as you speak. I had a conversation with my co- my coach on Tuesday about this very topic. And it's this idea of chasing after or doing a lot of good versus the great right things. And so we're not talking about good or bad. We know good or bad, but there are so many good opportunities that we attract. But doing so much good keeps us from the great things that have a bigger impact. And so my, <laughs> my phrase from my conversation with her Tuesday was say no to good so you can say yes to greater impact opportunities. Because every time you say yes to something, you're actually saying no to something else. That is the biggest thing for people. Because if it's good, well, why wouldn't you do it? And uh, one of the things that I have, one of the models I use is called, uh, I got this from John Maxwell. He calls it the three R's. And the first R is required. The second R is return. And the third R is reward. And so what I've started to do is a rationalization process when I have an opportunity and I actually put numbers to these high, medium, low, right? Is that required that I do that? High, medium, low. What's the actual return? If I invest my time or energy, what do I actually get back into my life or business? And then what's the reward? And that just gives me a real simple way as a filter to think about based on what I'm trying to do and being on purpose how does that opportunity weigh for me? So I'm spending 80, 20, I'm doing the 20% to give me the 80 versus doing the 80 and then only generating the 20. And so you're right. That is the, that's the biggest opportunity is setting those boundaries because it all looks good. Yeah. What's the difference between return and reward? Yeah. I think, I think of return. I think of it almost like in a, in a financial like sense, ROI, what is the payback? If I invest this time in this meeting or this partnership, what do I actually get back into my business or my life? The reward might be something more personal, like what am I personally benefiting? I think of it as like the personal benefit. If I like for me, if I go to this workshop, I'm going to learn some new tools and skills and some new ideas and meet some people. That's great. It doesn't actually pay back in my business, but it actually is a reward to me. The return is if I go invest, there's going to be 10 people. I could speak to three clients. I have the potential of business that day if I'm thinking of it from a business mindset. And so that's the way I kind of think about opportunities because I could think of a lot of rewards that I go after that don't really have any return. And at the end of my 90 days, I haven't moved any closer towards my goal, but I feel better. I've sharpened my saw. I've learned a lot more, but it hasn't actually paid back for my time and energy investment. And so what's the goal there just to make sure that you're balancing return and reward? Just to make sure that you're prioritizing your your energy. Yeah, you're prioritizing where you spend your time to get towards whatever it is you want to accomplish. Like I've got 90-day goals that I set and I was kind of taking advantage of all the opportunities coming my way that were good. And as I sat with my coach, we talked about you specifically want to do these things and this is your focus. So anything that does not fit that focus, say no, which is really hard to do (laughs) because some of those things are really great. And I've had to just say no and no and no. And guess what's happened? I've actually had success in the area that I want to focus on because all of a sudden all my energy is focused there. So it's really to create momentum and consistency in the thing that I actually want to create versus I was kind of chasing, not chasing, but accepting all these great opportunities, having a great time, but not getting any closer to my goals. So let's say somebody brings you a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. How do you say no? (laughs) I, I literally walk through that process. I kind of step back and say, 
how does this fit to what I'm trying to get done in the next 90 days? Is it directly fact? Is it going to support me getting there? And honestly, if it doesn't, then my answer is no. But I, I guess I'm, I'm looking at like, what are the actual words you use? Like, are you just typing an email back and saying no? <laughs> okay, or yeah. like, how, like, how do you do it? Because I think that's what people get uncomfortable with is there's that when you say no, there's an inherent conflict there. Somebody wants you to do something. You're not going to do it. There's conflict. And we don't, you know, we don't like conflict, especially the, the more time we spend on social media <laughs> and email and text messaging, the less we like conflict. So, so what, what does it actually look like to say no in a way that either avoids as much conflict as you can, or gets you comfortable with the fact that like some conflict is okay? Usually it comes down to timing. So if it's a good opportunity that I would pursue, if I had unlimited capacity and resources, then I usually talk about timing. Hey, at this time, I said this to someone the other day, my focus right now is on what I'm primarily focused on and to drive my business and create momentum. So right now, I'm, I'm not choosing to have any capacity to work on anything outside of that. I love the idea. Let's re- I said this to somebody, let's revisit this in 60 days. Let's see where we are because I may be at a different place in 60 days. Love what you're working on. It's just not the right time for me. I'm going to keep challenging you on this one because I think this is, I think there's some good tactical stuff here for people and and for me. <laughs> so let's say it's something that they think makes sense for you. And you're just like, it's not the thing that I want to do. You have the time. Even, even if you don't have the time, it's not going to make sense 60 days down the road. Like the answer is no. It's no now. It's always going to be no. What kinds of things do you say to let that person down easy or, or don't you, do you just face that conflict and you know, there's a lesson there too. It, it kind of comes back to my, my why for what I'm doing. And so if it does not fit with my why, if somebody wants me to do something that just does not fit, then I just talk about the fact that that that's not where I'm focused at all. And so thank you for the opportunity. And then it's nice if you can also maybe refer them to someone else that it might fit. That's another tactic is to be able to say, boy, that's great. That's just not where I'm focused right now in my business. You know, but I know someone who is who's interested in that, that I'd be glad to connect you with. That always helps if you have that ability. But it really comes down to like, what is my mission, vision, purpose for what I'm doing? And how does that either fit or not fit? And it becomes a fit topic. That way it's not it's not really evaluating or judging whether it's a good or bad opportunity. It's just that it doesn't fit with me at all or it doesn't fit with me from a timing perspective. Yeah, I love that. And I have you read Essentialism? Ah, sitting right. I was going to mention Essentialism. It's right on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, it's I think somewhere up here behind me right here. Ah, I too. love that. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great one. You talk about Pareto and the 80-20 principle and you talk about setting boundaries and saying no and I forget how you just said it, but saying no to the good to saying yes to the high impact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Or great impact, I think, is the way you said it. You're much more poetic than I am. But I just, yeah, I think that's a great book. I've mentioned it on here a couple of times before, but that's one of my top five books is like just anybody living life, trying to do it in a meaningful way. That book is so helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, to answer your question, another thing that I find when I work with clients that is a big hurdle or obstacle is a mindset around in order to take action, I need to be clear and have confidence first. And something I learned as I got into running my own business is it doesn't work that way. You don't get full clarity and full confidence to move. And that's what keeps people stuck. And the six inches between our ears, I call it, is the most powerful and dangerous muscle we have because it'll keep us locked in. I'm not moving till I clearly see the path. And I have confidence to do the thing. 
right? And what I learned is you actually have to act. You have to move first in a direction, then become, then comes clarity, then comes confidence, then you create momentum. And it doesn't work the other way around. People will say, well, but I want to do all these things, but I don't understand the path. You don't need to. The journey is the destination. You're going to learn along the way. And so start moving in a direction. One of my friends used to say that a boat cannot be steered until it's moving. It doesn't have to move in the right direction. It just has to move and then it can be steered. So this idea is to get people to take action, any action, just move towards something. Then you become clear because you, you kind of, it becomes an experiment. Oh, that worked. That didn't work. Einstein did 15,000 experiments to create the light bulb, right? Some people might call them failures, but he learned a lot of things. So you just have to move. Then you get clear on what works and what doesn't. Then you become confident. Then you create momentum and you start to run faster. That is the order. And that's the thing that most people miss. You are the man with the catchphrases today. I absolutely (laughs) love it. You can't steer a boat until it's moving. I love that. So are you a burn the boats kind of a guy? We'll keep it the boats analogy. Are you a burn the boats kind of guy and just run head first and damn the consequences? Or how, how do you guide somebody to taking that action in a way that will get them the best result? Maybe in and also maybe keep them safe. <laughs> um, so one of the things, if, if I step back, one of the, my approach to any coaching basically has four steps. The first step is awareness. It's to come to the awareness of where they want to be versus where they are, right? And so I get to know a little bit about the client that I'm working with. Then the next step is assessment. It's really understanding what are their strengths, what are their superpowers. And I use a couple of tools, the CVI that you, you and I have talked about, the core values index. And I get to understand their wired nature. Are they motivated by relationship, by wisdom, by power, by knowledge? This goes to answer your question because what I try to do then, the next step is approach. What approach can be taken to move them closer to what they want to achieve? Depending on who they are, I coach them down the path that is most uniquely, innately them. For me to answer that question, if it was me, I'm a jump out of the plane, uh, grow my wings on the way down and figure it out kind of person, but not everybody's that way. So what I try to do is meet people where they are. If you are a person that needs more knowledge, then I'll bring more facts and more data to the conversation. So that way it meets the innate need that person has. If you are a wisdom person and you need more options, then I'll I'll bring more options of potential things that could be done. So what I do to get people at least to take that first step is meet them where they are with what innately motivates them and then get them to agree to let go and just move. And it's so funny. People, people say to me, I don't, I want to do that. That's uncomfortable. I said, trust me, just move and you'll see. And I, and I always get the texts or the calls back and say, guess what happened when I moved? This opportunity showed up. This thing is now happening. Then they start to be clear on what they do and don't want. And then the confidence, I can hear the confidence build and then the momentum to run. So long story short, it depends on the person and how they're wired. But the most important thing is just to move. What, what was the fourth pillar. You had said awareness, assessment, approach. And I don't know that I caught the fourth. Action. My favorite part, action. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Other than that, you just have a daydream, but you turn it into action. And then what I, what I say is when you have those four, you automatically ascend on purpose. And I call that like ascension with intention because you get a new level of awareness and you just keep growing and growing and growing and growing in whatever it is. And the listeners can't see, but he's spiraling his finger up and up and up and up and up as you ascend. Because really, 
it's a cycle, right? So as you improve, you sort of settle into that new status quo and then there's more improvement to happen. Absolutely. I, I love the gym analogy, right? You start out with the five pounds and then you go to the 10 and the 20 and you just keep growing and growing. And then you, then you have to shock the muscles a different way to grow. You can't just do the same exercise. You got to start lifting tires and, and doing sledgehammers and things. To, it's the same way with our growth in all parts of our life. How do you help people come to the realization or, or like settle into the realization that the destination is the journey? that it, there is no end point and no matter how hard they work, it does like, it just keeps going. Cause that can be daunting for people, right? We've sort of been sold this bill of goods that if we work hard, we will arrive. And then when we arrive, things will be great. And, you know, I remember, I, I don't know when it happened, but I, I can remember having the thought you talk about being at the gym you know, I remember having the thought when I like got into pretty good shape, like at some point in my, you know, twenties and I was like, Oh, I'm like looking pretty good. I'm pretty strong. This is great. But like, Oh, I'm going to have to keep this up every day for the rest of my life. Like this is not, there's no, like, I can't just lock this in. Like I got to keep going. And, you know, there's kind of like an, Oh man, I'll just take what I experienced, which was like a, you know, Oh man, this is going to be a lot of work. And then I get to a point where it's like, I enjoy the work. Like part of my life is I go in and I enjoy that I get to push myself. I mean, it's hard and it sucks sometimes. And I, you know, there are things about it that I don't like at in the moment, but overall, like that is a big part of my life now and my identity. And and so then it becomes that, but how do you coach people through that transition within themselves if they struggle with it? I mean, and that might be a weird question. Maybe no, you can no, see that. That's true. I could see that happening. It, you, you said the word joy. So it's, it's the joy that you have each workout. We might call that joy the endorphins that we get, right? After each workout, you enjoy that. You might not be at your goal of whatever weight or whatever pounds yet, but you enjoy that day. You sweat, you feel a release. Maybe it's stress. You, you have more peace because you maybe let go of some things. You feel connected. And then you start to appreciate each day that you do it, not just once I get to the end of the 30-day challenge. And I think it's just a reframing and a mindset shift that says, how do I, I call it an advance. Let's take an advance on that thing that we want to have, that goal, that satisfaction, that feeling. And let's, how about we have that every day for 30 days instead of after the 30 days, I'm going to hold my breath for 30 days. And then when I get there, I'm going to enjoy it. And I actually take people through an exercise where I say, imagine how it will feel when you achieve your objective. Just close your eyes. Imagine that feeling. Okay. Now take that feeling and bring it back to today. Now just walk in that feeling every day and you'll actually attract more of it because whatever you give off, you'll attract more. If you're holding your breath, then that's what you'll get. And so to your point, the way I get to that is with people say, could you use more peace in your life every day, more joy? Most 99% of people would say yes, right? So then that's the being present every day, enjoying the thing on purpose that allows you to enjoy every life. Because here's the reality, O'Brien, the 30 days is not guaranteed that we'll even be here in 30 days. So <laughs> that's the other reality is you look at things in the world, if you enjoy every day, live life to the fullest, then you just take that little reward every day. That's a me memento mori, right? <laughs> That's right. R remembering that we're all headed to the same final destination. That's right. And I, I think that that, I've said that to some people that, that I think about that, you know, the fact that, yeah, I'm going to die someday. People are like, oh, that's so depressing, but it doesn't have to be, right? It can be a great motivator now to really maximize 
the way that you're living your life and the, the, the joy that you bring into your life. Absolutely. The thing my mom always used to use taught us was live life to the fullest with no regrets. So she was the slogan. She was. Yeah, first. that's the one that we got okay. from her. That's, <laughs> I where, that, that's, where, that from her. <laughs> that's where it came from. Yeah. One more thing on the, the, the fact that you never arrive. Money is a big one, right? And, and everybody, everybody's too broad, but a lot of people out there like, I just need to make a certain amount of money, right? Like you mentioned it earlier, like once I have a certain amount of money, then I can retire and then I can really live my life. Like once I get a certain amount of money, then I'll have financial freedom. Then I can do the things I want to do. How do you talk to or, or help people think about their relationships with money and, and that type of financial success? Yeah. Think about that. People think that money will bring satisfaction and happiness and all these things. But do you know billionaires that are absolutely miserable? People with a lot of money that struggle with life things because they thought that the money was going to be the answer. And so what I try to help people think about is what is really valuable or significant in your life and build more value and like, let's say it's relationships. If you're a person like me and I'm a relator, it's the depth of relationships that I have with people in whatever I do. That brings me the most joy and satisfaction. If I had more money, it wouldn't necessarily change that. And having money won't give me more relationships. And in some ways, money makes us more of whatever we are. And so just it's just kind of a shift where, like, use myself as an example. I had what, in a, in a corporate role, what I call the velvet handcuffs. I had the multiple six-figure salaries and the, the benefits and all that. And I was absolutely dying on the vine. I wasn't enjoying life. I was missing out. I woke up one day and my kids were grown and I missed out on so much. And so it clearly wasn't money. And all the things that I bought with money weren't bringing me happiness and actually became like where the money was driving me. I had to do things to get the money. And so when I left that, now I get to choose to invest my time and energy things that actually have more value and significance and are more meaningful in my life and my relationships because of what I value. And that may not be everybody, but it's just kind of really, really anchoring oneself to like what is really valuable and significant in life. If you, you know, the, you know, the whole thing about the 80th birthday party. When you're at your 80th birthday party, what do you want to hear that people say about you? What's the legacy that you're leaving? It isn't so much your bank account. It's the things that you did, the people that you experienced, what you imparted into people, whatever that is for you. If you think of the 80th birthday party and start operating today towards generating those types of feedback when you get there, that's a beginning with the end in mind. How about that? <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate there for one second. So you said, you know, you had a 20 something year career, you were chasing the money for a long time. And now you realize that like, that doesn't make you happy. And you went out and you found more fulfillment, but that's easy to do when you have the money. <laughs> right. So what do you say to that? And how do you help people who haven't made the money yet to, and learn that lesson for themselves to help them shift, you know, to help them not have to spend all those years doing it and make that shift early in their lives? Yeah, I think I think the, the big thing is that you you realize how what you actually need, the choices that you make with money that you really need. I always describe it like this when I was doing executive recruiting, is you trade your time for money when you work at a company, right? And at some point when you start to make more money, you have less discretionary time to enjoy that money. You hit diminishing returns, making a lot of money, less time to enjoy it. So your quality of life actually goes down at some point, potentially, based on how much money. So then it becomes this choice of 
money versus quality of life. And there's a balance. I mean, you need, you need money to live, but at some point, some of the things that we do, we don't actually need, and they don't actually bring more joy. And so there's, it's kind of finding the sweet spot for each person in their own personal situation. But if you can maximize that sweet spot of what you need versus what you want to choose based on what's valuable to you, then you'll have more of that joy and that peace. And I guess what you're really saying is be purposeful with your money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's, that's, that's kind of what you're saying there is like, like if you're purposeful with the ways that you're spending money, then you don't get caught up in arbitrarily needing more. Absolutely. You may, you may want more for certain reasons and you may go work and get it. And that's great, but you own it. Then it's not the thing that you're like handcuffed to. Handcuffed is a good word because if you're, if you're living on purpose, then you're making those intentional choices of how you spend your money that allow you more freedom because you can work a job where you're working 80 hours a week, making a lot of money and then not spending time with your family, let's say. Right. And that becomes a choice. But the reason you do that is so that you can maybe afford a certain lifestyle or buy certain things. And you say, well, what if I didn't have that thing, but I have more time because one day you wake up like me and your kids are 29 and 22 and you don't get to go back. I know you had a new newborn. And so I always say spend that quality time. I know you might not be sleeping right now, but I wish I had that non-sleep time because my kids, you know, they're grown now and I don't get to, I don't get a do over. Yeah. We're on week three. So we're, <laughs> we're on the other end of that journey. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I want to pick something out that you said, you said it really quick. Money makes you more of what you are. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So let's say, let's say you're a generous person and you like to give, then you'll give more. It doesn't change you. If you're a person that's really super selfish and you're all about yourself, money will make you more selfish. So it doesn't really change a person. It really just makes you more, it, it, it kind of expands on who you are. You know? So again, get, there's no way to get away from who you are at the core living on purpose. And therefore that money just allows you to have a greater impact in the things that you care about. Which I think that again, makes the argument for why it's so important to be doing the things you're doing on purpose, because otherwise it can get you know, out of control in the wrong way. So I want to come back to action for a minute. I know we're kind of jumping around here, but I, I want to come back to action. You know, there's three steps to your process, which is awareness, assessment, approach, and then action. How does somebody know when it's time to take action? What I find is as I go around that, that horn of the awareness, the assessment of who they are, the approach usually breaks down into a mindset shift or an actual strategy. I find many times the strategy that someone has will work. It's the way they think about it. And so I mostly a lot of what I do is mindset coaching, really changing, working with limiting beliefs. Like what is the belief that's keeping you from moving? And usually it's a belief. And, and usually once that's unlocked, then it allows a person to, to speak what the action will look like when they don't have that belief. And it frees them up to take the action because most people know the action, but there's something they're believing. Like, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough of this. I'm not going to be able to do that. It's usually here. And once you unlock that, it allows action to flow better. And then when they see results, then it makes that thing again, that momentum picks up. So the biggest part I see that prevents people from taking action is how they think about a particular situation. How do you help them get out of their own head when they're, when they're overthinking? Yeah, it's through, it's through a series. One of the things I like to do is I take people forward one year from the day that we're speaking. And I'll say a year from now, right? 
what would you like to be celebrating about your life personally and professionally? Most people don't think like that. And they go, oh. And so they say, personally, I'd like to, you know, experience this with my family and take a trip and have this kind of relationship. And professionally, I'd like to hire 12 more lawyers in my firm, for example. Okay. And then I'll say, what are the obstacles that you think today are preventing you from doing that? And then they, this is the list of excuses that, that, are, that are really the mindset blockers, right? Well, I can't because of this, because of that, because of that. And usually I'll say, now look at that list. How many of those are within your control? Usually it's 90%, right? They're not outside circumstances. So then we talk through what is that obstacle? What is the limiting belief to enable us to move past it? And then to help, I'll say, what's the impact if you don't get past that and you stay stuck? And most people do not like the way that feels. <laughs> it doesn't feel good that I'm not going to ever get there because of these things that I'm choosing to believe, right? And what's the impact when you step over these barriers and obstacles and you achieve the thing that you want? How does that feel? And that's where the feeling and the joy and like you talked about, the peace come in. And then that becomes the motivation to really now go back to those obstacles and talk through like, well, what is, what's the truth behind that limiting belief? One of the biggest ones I was working with a group recently and they said, well, I can't do that particular thing you mentioned. And I said, just change that and add the word yet. I can't do that yet. It allows that hope that I can learn. I can change the way I think, but I can get there versus many times we say, I can't do X. And then we're stuck. And whatever we speak is what we get. If we say we can't, we're right. And if we say we can, we're right. <laughs> so that's a lot of it just has to do with talking through what is stopping you from moving forward. What you, and it's usually what someone is believing. And it's usually not accurate because we make choices and we have free will to do things. And it's really working past, even in my own business, things that I thought I couldn't do. My coach helps me undo those and go, well, why can't you? And then I do it and go, I did it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point too. Like there's even you have a coach, right? You are a coach, you have a coach. There's just value to working this stuff out, really working anything out with another human being. Getting other perspectives always helps when it comes to solving problems and figuring out the right way to move forward. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I have a call every two weeks and I, I come away from that call super energized and excited because I see things that I didn't see the day before. Just because as I talk, one of the favorite phrases she'll say is, so what I hear you saying is X. And so what does that mean? And I go, I didn't realize that's what it was. And it just brings it to awareness. And then I figure it out. Rarely does she tell me what to do. I see it now that I couldn't see because I'm just in it too close. What are you sick of talking about in your work? <laughs> and work? I guess we'll start with work, but I'd be curious if you have another one too. Just what are, what are you sick of talking about? I'm probably most sick of talking about why things can't be done. I'm one, one of my strengths is maximizer. So I'm a, I'm a good to great kind of person. So one of the things I'm sick that frustrates me is when I talk to people and they just talk about all the excuses why things can't happen. That just infuriates me because I'm, I'm the person who says uh, there's no problem. There's just an opportunity that needs a solution. You know, so that that mindset of can't be done is something I get sick of talking about. And, and the things that we have all experienced in 2020, there was a lot of negativity around what can't be done, what we have to do. And, and it just seemed like everywhere you went, there was lots of excuses and negativity. What do you think people should be talking more about that they're not? I think that people should be talking more about how they can live more authentically and honor themselves and therefore honor others. Because I have a fundamental belief if that we all understood and showed up as our best self 
to others. It would allow others to do the same thing. And it would be a great example. Instead of pointing out how others are different, find the things in common that we can relate to, kind of be more bridge builders than, as we saw last year, a lot of you know walls that went up and lots of opposition. But if we can find the lowest common denominator where we actually agree, we can build a bridge to have conversations, to relate, to understand, to have empathy. And then that would create much more joy and satisfaction, I think, for all of us. And we saw that last year. That was a big example of what happens when you don't have that. Last sort of speed round question here. I got two more, really. What do you believe about people that is, might be contrary to general consensus? I think uh, I believe that all people have the ability to grow, to fulfill their greatest potential versus believing that wherever people are, that's it. Let's label them. Let's put them in a box and they're stuck. You know, there's this human capital potential that's untapped that we as leaders are responsible to really, you know, to to help people cultivate. And when we do, the potential for results in our businesses, satisfaction in our relationships is unlimited versus just accepting that's where it is. That's all we're going to get. So let's build around that. Last question. And this is the one that I ask everybody. What in your mind is the purpose of business? I would say the purpose of business is to serve whoever your ideal client is with whatever that is. It's a service. Obviously, it makes money. It takes resources. It employs people. But there's a service that your business has to do something, to provide a product or service to people to help them better their lives or make things simpler, faster, bigger, better. I think that's what business exists for. I love that. James, this is awesome. I said that was the last question. I got one more for you. Where can people find you and engage with you if they have questions or want to do some of this work? Absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn at James Madison. Also, my website is onpurpose-life.com. On purpose, all one word, life dash on purpose-life.com. That is also my website, on purpose-life.com. And my email is James at onpurpose-life.com. So email website, LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from people. I appreciate this opportunity, O'Brien, to talk my favorite thing about living the on-purpose life. Because as I say, when you live on purpose, you never work another day in your life. I love it. That's a beautiful way to end. James, thank you. And we will link to all of that and everything that we've talked about in the show notes so people can find it and get in touch with you. I guess to everybody out there, go live life on purpose. Hey folks, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Thanks for coming. Go make the most of your business and the people in it.